This is episode number 034 of the Reno Slant. Nevada basketball did not play any games this week, but this was maybe the most stressful Nevada basketball week of the year. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schaub. It was super weird not having a Nevada basketball game last week, and I can say confidently that I am not a fan. (laughs) That was not great. Nevada baseball, though, was at home against Air Force last weekend. That also was not great. The pack dropped two of three to the Falcons, so Adam and I will share our thoughts on the series. We have a particularly special guest this week. One of the best athletes ever from Northern Nevada, if not the best athlete ever from Northern Nevada. Gabby Williams went to Reed, went on to star at UConn, and then she was the fourth overall pick in the 2018 WNBA draft by the Chicago Sky. I covered Gabby when she was at Reed and uh, had her on my radio show a couple times when I was up on ESPN Radio 94.5 FM. So it's been kind of fun following Gabby's trajectory. Uh, she's finishing up uh, her first season playing in Europe. Really great catching up with her. Talked to her about adjusting to life as a pro. What is going to be her focus going into her second season in the WNBA? The WNBA season starts next month. Uh, what is the evolu- or her evolution is really a role model now and are the Olympics in her future? Uh, so we really good conversation with Gabby. And then you know... We're talking must-watch. I think Nevada fans uh, collectively had a heart attack, if not grew an ulcer uh, on Tuesday as all sorts of rumors were swirling around. So Adam and I will share our thoughts on must-watch, where it stands right now as of it's 5 o'clock here on Wednesday evening when we're taping this thing. Nevada baseball now has a huge weekend coming up at home against San Diego State. Nevada is 5-7 and seven in the Mountain West. It's not good. It's not terrible, but that's tied for last in the Mountain West right now with UNLV. Only one game back of San Diego State at 5-5. Five and five. San Diego State's in fourth place right now, currently hanging on to the fourth and final playoff spot to get into the Mountain West Conference Tournament. What do we need to know about the Aztecs? Who's our favorite player on the other roster? What are the keys to a series win? And it'd be a big series win for Nevada. And what are our predictions, certainly, for slants, games of the weekend, End of the road for college hoops this weekend. Uh, last weekend was certainly awesome with the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8. We're introducing a new slant. We've got to incorporate this thing as we start to head into summer. Talking baseball. The 543-game Major League Baseball schedule is underway. So Adam and I will, every once in a while, we'll just chime in with a couple quick thoughts we have on baseball season. Social, we've got more really good questions from you guys. And then, as always, we're going to get out of here on random Reno, this is a big iTunes five-star review of the week this week. A big one. Because it's brought to you by our friends over at Toyabi Golf Club. The winner of this week's iTunes five-star review of the week, of course, is getting a round for two to Toyabi Golf Club, one of the nicest courses in northern Nevada. I love Toyabi. Adam does as well. The iTunes five-star review of the week comes from Real Tiger Woods. 
So we got to get your your real name, Real Tiger Woods. My advice moving forward here is uh, for those who do leave an iTunes review to leave your real name on the bottom so we can make sure we get the, the golf in the right hands. Real Tiger Woods says, I love me some Nevada content and you guys bring it. Keep it up. My favorite part about your guys' podcast is that you always have great guests like former PAC players and media members who have done some coverage of the Mountain West in Nevada. Also, I've always wanted to play Toyabi. Well, Real Tiger Woods, you're playing Toy- you're playing Toyabi. We-, we got you. So uh, get in touch with us, and we will make sure we get you those golf certificates. And uh, appreciate everyone who left us iTunes reviews this week. If you want to get in the running next week, uh, for a uh, round for two to Toyota Golf Club, just slide on over to our iTunes landing page, write a quick iTunes review. What do you think of this episode? What do you think of the show? And uh, maybe we'll hook you up. Maybe we'll hook you up to Toyabi, which is tucked away at the base of the majestic Sierra Nevada Mountains in Washoe Valley. Toyabi Golf Club is how many minute drive from Lawler down 395, Adam? 20 minutes. 30 minutes. You're not paying attention. Toyota Golf Club is open to the public. Off-season rates do continue through April 15th for just 45 bucks. You're not going to beat that rate. Uh, the course is locally owned and operated by Nevada fans. Toyabi certainly backs the pack. Book your tee time today at toyabigolfclub.com. Uh, I actually went golfing Sunday, like I said I was going to. I got my first real sunburn of the spring slash summer, a nice golfer tan line. Uh and speaking of, of sunburn, you were in Cancun last week. You're a bum. We all hate you. Uh, did you get sunburn at all? I'll wear that. But yeah, no, I did <laughs> on the third day, I think it was. I got a little uh, aggressive, laid out by the pool, and didn't lather up enough. So actually still right now, my my uh, <laughs> my keg and my, that I'm you know, walking around with on my gut, it's got a, ni- it's got a nice little <laughs> – looks like licorice. Red keg. Oh, yeah. It's, red, a, red. it's a red, red amber ale down there right now. <laughs> So Adam got his first sunburn not golfing. I got mine golfing. It'll be the first golf sunburn of many this summer because it is time to get nasty on the links. And, and whether you need some fun attire this summer for the golf course or for Tahoe or you're starting to plan some festivals for the summer, you got to check out tipsyelves.com for memorable clothing for life's biggest moments. They got funny tanks, tees, swimwear, Funny Hawaiian shirts, golf wear, of course, all sorts of sales going on always. So start putting your summer wardrobe together at tipsyelves.com and exclusively for listeners of the Reno Slant podcast. Promo code. What's the promo code, Adam? Slant 20. There he is. Now he's fantastic. Got it. Got it. All right. We're in. I got a little little nervous. Slant 20 at checkout at tipsyelves.com earns you 20% off at checkout. That's slant20 for 20% off at tipsyelves.com. All right, let's get into uh, Nevada's weekend that was against Air Force before we go to our interview or conversation with Gabby and then obviously must watch. Uh, Nevada dropped two of three at Piccoli to Air Force. They won game one, four, three, lost the final two, eight, two, and four, one. Nevada now 14 and 13, five and seven, although they are about to win their non conference game. Last I checked, this afternoon, it moved them to 15 and 13, 5 and 7. As I mentioned, tied with UNLV for last in the Mountain West. There are only three games back of first place, which it's still bizarre that San Jose State is in first place in the Mountain West. So um, I'll go to you first, bro. I know you were paying so much attention about a baseball while you were drinking Margs in Cancun, but what's something that jumped out to you? Yeah, it's going to be the run support. That's 
goes without saying right now with the bait. I mean, you're not going to win games putting up one to two runs a game. I think from looking at kind of the box scores a little bit, and yeah, I'll admit that I wasn't completely up to date as I was drinking my margaritas on the beach. Um, <laughs> but you, especially with the team, the Air Force is, and what they've done already this season, it's definitely a little disappointing to see the results were. But the the bats have just got to start warming up. And I'll, I'll blame colder weather in Reno. It's still got a little bit of time to heat up, but the bats also need to heat up as the weather goes. Uh, by the way, uh, Nevada did win today. And for head coach T.J. Bruce, that was win number 100 at Nevada. So, How the, what was the final score against Sac? They beat Sac State 6-2. Hey, run support. They're listening. Yeah, sort of, kind of. Sort of, <laughs> kind of. Um, after Nevada got off to that 6-1 start, we were kind of – Nevada was starting to flex a little bit. We were starting to flex like, okay, this is going to be a fun year for Nevada. I was certainly drinking the Kool-Aid. And that included the sweep at Long Beach State. Since then – Nevada is now nine and twelve, including Wednesday's win. The at-large aspirations that were at least, you know, there's a glimmer of hope early in the season. That's gone. Uh, Nevada baseball's RPI is at 166. So if this team's going to get into an NCAA regional for the first time since 2000, it's going to have to win uh, the Mountain West tournament, which fortunately is in Reno this year. So that'll be an advantage. Um, that said, Nevada's lost five straight games in the Mountain West tournament. Um, so has not necessarily been lucky in, in that thing. And you only get into the tournament if you finish the top four in the Mount West. And right now, Nevada's on the outside looking in. So now when you're playing a team as good as San Diego State and you got them at home, this is a really important series for Nevada um, to start scratching away at that deficit to try to squeeze into one of those top four spots because the Mount West standings right now are really congested. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everybody, baseball, you feed off everybody. It's, I mean, you, everything's all about the runs. You get a couple hits there. It's all about stringing things together. So we're going to need somebody to emerge with with the, other than the Sac State game, because I don't have the the stats in front of me. But when you include the Reno Aces and the last game against Air Force, Zamora was the one who scored those two runs in those two games. So I'm going to be looking a little more to him to be um, kind of taking the leader, uh, the the, uh, solidified leadership role. But, as of right now, from what uh, what it kind of seems like, is that they're kind of struggling to find that leadership role for the person to really, you know, take over. I don't know if they're looking for a leader because it, we know who the leader is, at least with the bat. It's, it's Josh Shimura mm-hmm. and maybe throw Dylan Shrum in there as well. I mean, those two dudes are, are producing. Yeah. Other than that, the offense is, I mean, you already hit on this. It's really, really struggling. Nevada has scored seven runs in three games. It's not going to win you much. And I, when I say that here, I may, may, that might be a typo, but it's something along those lines. I mean, the offense has struggled mightily this year. There's not a ton of options right now. Julian Boyd, who is a highly touted freshman coming in outfielder, he's starting to get some more ABs and, and starting to look a little bit better. But behind, <laughs> really, as I mentioned, Josh Amora and Dil- Dylan Shrum, there aren't a lot of op- options right now yeah. uh, with this offense. And kind of what you were speaking to, I don't know if they're looking for a leader. I think they're looking for some depth. They need some other guys to produce because right now it's basically Josh Moore is going to hit a home run every game. <laughs> That's kind of the <laughs> yeah, offense, yeah. And, and they need someone else to you know start driving in some runs. Yeah, no, you're right though. Aside from the Sac State game today, they've actually it's eight in the last four, including the Reno Aces exhibition game. Okay, yeah, so seven runs in three. They scored seven or more just three times this year, and then they had scored seven runs total in their last four, eight if you include the Aces game. Yep, exactly. There it was. We got it. Just takes a little bit. 
We are not uh, a math podcast. We've established this. We have we have established that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's those are my topics. So I got going on. I'm I'm ready to sweep this week behind me and move on. <laughs> I got one more. Uh, something we talked about last week was we wanted to see uh, starters in game two, in game three, maybe start to piece something together against an Air Force offense that isn't necessarily prolific. And Owen Schartz, it was another tough day for him, for, for the freshman. In his last three, his ERA has ballooned from 2-2 to 6-2. And sophomore Jake Jackson, who was a freshman All-American last year, he didn't get out of the fourth inning. Uh, neither were terrible. It's just the struggles are magnified when your offense isn't scoring runs. And as someone who did pitch in college, D3 baby, go Lutes. I can tell you it's incredibly frustrating going out there knowing that you have to put up zeros, otherwise you're going to be pitching from behind. And that's kind of the situation that this staff has been in. And I think that's you you need to give even more credit to this Nevada bullpen, which has been great um, for large parts of the season. That was especially true in those final two games. Even though Nevada lost games two and three, the bullpen through 13 innings gave up three runs. That'll get it done. Um, just the offense, again, it has, has become basically a liability at this point. Uh, Ryan Anderson, Spanish Springs boy, he was great again in game one. Six innings, two runs, four hits, struck out 10, 10 punchies. He's now third in the Mountain West with 42 strikeouts. So he's dealing. I like that a lot. He's dealing. All right, we'll, we'll go to our conversation with Gabby here. But before we do, we need to show some love to Silver and Blue Outfitters. Silver and Blue Outfitters is locally owned, locally operated by a Nevada graduate. So stop buying your Nevada gear from wherever else. You need to buy it from Silver and Blue Outfitters. You can hear our conversation with owner Mark Gladowski on episode 023. Silver and Blue Outfitters is the spot for officially licensed Nevada apparel. They have incredible options, so much awesome stuff. When you click around their website, it gets kind of it's like, wow, they got a lot of stuff on here. You can visit mm-hmm. either the Meadowood Mall or campus locations or visit silverandblueoutfitters.com. And every month, we're giving away a what, Adam? $100 gift card. That's right. We're giving away a $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters every single month. We did our second drawing on Sunday night. Luke walk it out. He was the big winner. Uh, he had his fiance stop by one of the locations, snap a selfie with her Ramon Sessions jersey, tagged the Reno Slant, tagged Silver and Blue Outfitters, and uh, we drew his name on Instagram Live, and he is now the owner of a $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters. So if you're swinging by the Meadowood Mall location or you're driving up Virginia and you see the campus location, pop in there real quick, snap a selfie, and uh, we would love to hook you up. Next drawing, by the way, will be Tuesday, April 30th. Okay, she's a Reed alum. She went on to star at UConn, drafted fourth in the 2018 WNBA draft uh, by the Chicago Sky. She's wrapping up a season in Spain. It was so fun catching up with Gabby. Here's our conversation. Gabby, this, this is great. So excited we're able to, to make this happen. We got a lot of stuff we can get to, but first we need to start with something serious, and I didn't put this in the talking points, so this is going to sneak up on you. Your, tw- your Twitter handle. We had to drop Mocha Trappuccino <laughs> earlier in the year. Was that a branding thing? What's the story there? Oh, may she rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is, uh, you know, once I went professional – started working with like my agent and media team and they were like, yeah, she's cute, but she has to go. She's got to go. Yeah. I could, yeah. I could understand that at least. All right. So you're uh, on the, on the brink here of, of wrapping up your first 
off season in Europe, your first season in Europe. You started in Italy. You're now in Spain. You've gotten to do, we're talking about a little bit before you push the record, but you've been able to do some fun stuff. But for you, just kind of generally speaking, what's the experience been like being a professional basketball player in Europe? Yeah, you know, it's um, it's been difficult. You know, the first the first couple months for me especially were really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was just so... I mean, I, I heard a lot of kind of um, scary stories and things like that about overseas, but you never really know until you're actually in it. And right. every situation is different for everyone overseas. So you never really know what to prepare for. Um, so it was really difficult. I mean, I was... Uh, I was away from my family and friends and um, in a small town where no one spoke any English. Um, I couldn't really go out and do much. So I was in my room most of the days, just in my apartment by myself and then just go right to practice. And so it was tough. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No kidding. So uh, did you start learning some Italian and Spanish? Are are you fluent yet? (laughs) I guess. How are you communicating? (laughs) I actually, I actually picked up on Italian pretty quickly because okay. it's similar to French and I can speak French. But, um, I mean, I, I won't say that I speak Italian, though. I just picked <laughs> up on some things, yeah. <laughs> so the first part, I mean, I can totally understand that being difficult. I mean, not being able to communicate mm-hmm. with people. You're in a new place. You're removed from everyone you know. It's just a whole yeah. new lifestyle. There have been parts, though, I'm sure, that have been enjoyable. I know you were just in Paris seeing some family. So what, what, what have been some of the cool parts about being over there for the offseason? Yeah, so um, in Italy, I did get to do some exploring. Um, I did go to Milan, and that was, that's been my favorite experience so far. That was amazing. Um, my mom came and visited me out, out in Italy. So I took her to do some sightseeing, like in Pompeii and Amalfi Coast. Um, I got a couple of days off and I live in Northern Spain, mm-hmm. so I'm really close to Paris or to, not to Paris, but to France. So I was able, and like flights are cheap in Europe. So I just took a day trip to Paris and saw my family. Um, so that's, that's been fun. It's nice how easy the travel is in Europe and how every big city is just so close. So that part's been really cool for me, especially more recently now yeah. that I'm in kind of a better situation. So we obviously need to talk hoops here. So this was this was a WNBA off season, and it sounds like that's something that it's it's common for WNBA players to do in the off season, go play in Europe. Yeah, I almost hate using like the word off season. Yeah, because it's not off season for you; it's just a different season, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, and I mean this season's actually longer, and um, and you know where we make kind of our real not kind of where we make our real money from. Mm-hmm. So it's like this is kind of our main season almost. So was there – when you went over there, I'm sure there was a plan. Like this is what I'm trying to accomplish, whether it was expanding a skill set, adding something. I mean for you on the court, what what was the focus or what's been the focus? So the, the focus for me, um, I really wanted to play more at the three a little bit, work on kind of my outside game mm-hmm. rather than that mid-post that I was kind of playing – um, all season because I think that'll help me more in, in the WNBA. Uh, in Italy, that didn't go too well. My coach had a dream of me being like a center in Italy, <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't really agree on that part. Sure, but um, I, I'm just trying to get more aggressive offensively. In Spain, it's been a lot better. I've been able to work on a lot of things that I've wanted to work on, mm-hmm. and it's been going pretty well. Um, 
I'm just trying to I'm trying to get myself used to the idea of doing something I'm not perfect at. Yeah. You know, I'm, which has been hard for me. You know, my outside I, my outside shot isn't perfect, so I didn't shoot very much. So I'm trying to get myself okay with missing sometimes, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you can really get better at it. And, uh, yeah, just trying to have some more confidence um, and just mentally just kind of be tougher in, in that aspect. And it's been going a lot better in Spain. Have you I, – I, I guess how different is the playing style from the WNBA to where you're playing now in Spain? Are, are there big differences? Are there more similarities? There's some similarities, but a lot of differences. Um, you know, the the physicality and the the speed is isn't as much as it is in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that the pace of the game is a little bit slower. But um, you know, we don't have media timeouts out here. The ball, like, there's not as many uh, stop plays and everything like that. So it's uh it'll get your conditioning up for sure <laughs> yeah yeah for, for, sure. for people like me hearing no media timeouts that's great but for the players i'm sure those kind of nice at times <laughs> yeah i mean and you don't you don't realize how much it really changes the whole pace of the game i'm sure like, you don't really you don't really think about that until um you know it changes so that that's been a big adjustment and then just um you know like i said it's less physical it's still mm. pretty physical though and every every league is different too yeah like um, Italy has been different than Spain. Euro Cup has been different. I know Euro League is different than Euro Cup, so it's all a little bit different. And when when do you come back? May. May yes, I know, I know the season's not that far away. The WNBA season that is. Um, yeah. So let, let, let's. It, it's, it's tough. It's tough because you do miss like I'll, I'll be missing training camp this year in Chicago, but um, the, some players like we just have to do that. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So let, I, I do want let's, let's talk some WNBA. Let's talk some Chicago here a little bit. So you're drafted fourth last year, which was uh, amazing. You know, for someone from Reno, from Big Bad Reed High School, it was so cool to watch that happen for you and, and to follow you at UConn. Uh, you are you've been a winner at UConn. Your record was 148 and three at Reed. You you were a winner, and then traditionally, I mean, when you get drafted early in the first round. You're going to a, a franchise that struggled, or at least struggled in the year before. Uh, you guys go 13 and 21 last year. I think that might have been more losses than you've had in your entire basketball career combined. Um, so, was, was that difficult for you last year mentally, just kind of being around that? Because that's something completely new to you. Yeah, I mean, on top of just uh, adjusting to the league in, ge- in general. You know, just trying to wrap my head around that part of it. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, I got to do that. Now I got to help this team win, too, you know. Like, I can't even – at least, you know, at UConn, when I came in, um, you know, I had seniors and the upperclassmen who I could learn from. Like, they taught me the winning tradition. Right. But then you come to a place that doesn't necessarily have a winning tradition. <laughs> so everyone's trying to figure out how to do it, you know. Yeah. On top of me figuring out how just to play in the WNBA, period. Right. So that part was tough. Do, do you feel like you started to maybe find your way as the season went along, or is that something you feel much more prepared for now going into your second season? You know, even when I started to feel like I was getting the hang of it, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I definitely have my ups and downs. Like some, some I'd have some, uh, some games where I felt really, really good and I'd play really well, and then had other games where I just wasn't even – a factor 
Right. And like I said, just when I thought I was playing really well and getting some momentum, I'd have another game where I just didn't really contribute. And I'm like, okay, I obviously don't have it figured out yet. Yeah. Um, But I think having a year overseas and having the whole season, being able to look back and reflect on it, I definitely feel a lot more prepared. And I kind of know what it takes now, um, like what makes a team successful in the WNBA and a player. What was the bigger learning curve for you adjusting to the physical style of play in the WNBA or adjusting to the mental aspect? Cause I imagine both of them were pretty big eye openers at first. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, now we're playing with women, you yeah. know, with vets who have done this for years, not just, uh, I mean, I mean, in college, everyone's pretty much the same age and has the same amount of experience. So I definitely learned how much experience really plays a factor in the WNBA. It's almost like these girls have kind of like cracked the code. So, um, <laughs> so definitely just into the physicality. The girls are much bigger. The women yeah. are much bigger in the WNBA. And the pace is a, a lot faster too. Did you get any guidance from some of your UConn teammates who have now been in the league for a while? I'm sure, I'm sure they had some, some tidbits for you when you got in the league. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was really, really nervous about how my um, how I would adjust and how my game would translate into the WNBA. And, um, like, Stewie and Mariah and Morgan, I, I asked them about it. And Tanaya, you know, pretty much all the people I went to school with, mm-hmm. they were just kind of like, just do what you do. Like, there's a reason that why you're going to be there, you know. They're like, you don't need to change your game. You don't need to do whatever. Just, you know. You'll figure – they're basically just like, calm down, you're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Easier like, said than done uh, as a rookie. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, Thanks, guys. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and speaking of UConn, uh, played Louisville in the lead eight, uh, recording this Monday afternoon. It's post-midnight where you are right now, uh, 3 o'clock mm-hmm. local time here. But UConn, again, going to the Final Four for the 12th straight year. I'm sure you've been paying attention, but how much have you been able to follow with the time difference in your schedule? Oh, it's been tough and it kind of sucks. Like I I texted Lou and Nafisa yesterday and I'm like, look, guys, I love you. I didn't watch a second of the game, but just know I love you and I'm so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, yeah, we get it. Because I mean, and yesterday I was with my my family. So it was tough. And yeah, I mean, I I put out a tweet. I was like, okay, they need to just be up by 40 by halftime because that's when I go to sleep. And like, I can't be up. I got practice in the morning. But of course, I watched the highlights and yeah. everything after. Yeah, I, I saw the tweet that they, they weren't up thirty. They they had to fight for that one. Um, and something kind of interesting this year, uh, your Huskies get a two seed. It was the first time since two thousand six that they weren't a one. Uh, how, how did you yep. feel about that? I mean, they proved everyone wrong, and I knew they would. Um, I laughed out loud when I saw that the committee had to put out a statement, like a public reason why they <laughs> chose them as number two, which I've never seen that ever before. No, nope, nope. <laughs> The head of the committee saying, this is why I did this. So they obviously knew that they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but whatever. It's just seedings. And I mean, we were the top team in two years and we lost. So mm-hmm. it, it's just, uh, it doesn't matter. It, it all matters what happens in the final four. And, uh, the, the girls are showing that right now. They're there. I'm sure the rest of the field was kind of like, just give them a one seed. The last thing we want to do is piss them off. Like, just, just give them a one seed. <laughs> we, we don't need that. Yeah. Them getting angry here. 
Um, yeah, maybe they needed that though. So, yeah, who cares? <laughs> uh, something kind of cool for you. Let's go off the court here for a second. In February, Pop Sugar put you on a list of I think it was twenty-seven female black athletes that we need to know. They put you at number nine on that list. You had the Williams sisters on there, Allison Felix, Simone Biles were some big names on there. That had to be kind of a really cool moment for you. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> it was super humbling. And I was getting tagged like in the tweet and everything. And I was just looking through it like, is, is this the right Gabby Williams? Like, did they mean me? <laughs> like, I was, I was really shocked, um, but super humbling. I mean, I couldn't believe that I was even thought of amongst those names and I don't know who made the list or what exactly it was for but just the fact that my name was brought up or someone thought of me when they were thinking of female black athletes was um really inspiring and humbling for me did that like feel like you have like an additional responsibility now as as really a role model in in what you're doing did that change the way you kind of go about your business at all the way you maybe think of yourself yeah, for sure. And it is something that, especially in the last couple of years, that I've tried to be more conscious about, um, just about, like, what kind of representation mm-hmm. uh, I'm bringing to whoever's following me or whoever sees me, you know, um, what kind of impression I can have on people or, you know, if someone thinks of a female black athlete and they think of me, is it going to be positive or negative, that kind of thing. So, um yeah, just trying to be that that light for maybe the next little black girl who wants to play sports. Yeah, I mean that that, that was so cool to, to see that and uh, something else pretty cool. I mean, people are you're so decorated now, so early that people forget that you competed in the Olympic trials when you were just 15 at Reed, and you finished fifth. Uh-huh. You, you damn near went to the Olympics. I know for a while Olympics was still something you had your eye on, even as you were getting ready to go play basketball in college. I mean, is that still something you're looking at maybe at, in basketball for 2024 or is that off the table now? Um, I mean, maybe for, for basketball, that would, that would be awesome. Um, track is, is done. I, I mean, I forget that I even did it sometimes. <laughs> um, I mean, I was watching like some clips of my little brother uh, high jumping and hurdling. So that's kind of the most times where I get like the I get to reflect on what I did, but yeah. it's been fun just watching my little brother do it, and um, I do I do miss it, uh, not as much as I used to, especially in college I really missed it, but it's just something fun to look back on now. Yeah, I, I figured track was track was probably down, but I was curious if you're maybe looking at the twenty twenty four games and thinking maybe playing basketball and those things. Yeah, I mean, that, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned your brother, which I think is, is a great segue here. Uh, kind of following in your shoes, you mentioned track uh, on the hardwood. He, he was that dude for Reed this year. Reed goes 22-4, and four, largely due to him. So I guess uh, a question I would have is, I, I guess, what do, you, do you know what he's doing next year? And when's the last time you guys played one-on-one? If it's been a while, would that be competitive? Oh, it wouldn't be competitive at all. He'd kill me. He'd kill he you? He would kill me, yeah. I'll no, expect him to go the other way on that one. Oh, no. that's. I think the last time he played, I was still able to beat him. So, I mean, it's been so long. So, I'm not even going to try. He'd kill me. <laughs> we played pickup, I think, a couple summers ago together. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to stay out of his way. Give him the ball. But uh, he's looking for um, probably a prep school, I think would be the direction for him. I try to convince him to come out to Chicago. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, but, um, I mean, I'm only there in the summer, so right. that'd be kind of selfish of me, but, um, yeah, he's looking for a prep school next year, but I mean, he, I think he's going to have a great career at, uh, whatever university ends up picking him up at cause he's really talented for sure. Yeah. It's, it's in his genes. So, uh, you're, you're going to come back in May for your second season. The WNBA starts May 25th. You got Minnesota in the opener, some kind of off season news for you guys. You got a new head coach and James Wade. Uh, what sort of impact do you expect him to have on the team and, and maybe on you as you really start to get comfortable now as a WNBA player? I'm so excited for, for James. I was really, I was really excited when I found out, um, he's going to be our new coach. Um, so his wife is French. So before I even knew that he was going to be up for the job and he was still at Minnesota, me and him exchanged some words. And, um, I mean, he worked with Walt Hopkins who was an assistant coach at Reed when I was there. Wow. And is uh, one of the player development coaches at Minnesota. So, um, you know, we talked about Wall and how whatever. And so when I found out he was going to be the coach, I got really excited. And um, he, I mean, while I was in Italy and overseas, he's texting me like, what do you think about playing this way? What do you think about playing this position and sending me some film? And I already love the ideas that he has for me and for the team and, uh, I can't wait to see what he does. That's that's awesome. So, you mentioned that. I mean, how different the feeling is for you now. You now you know what a season in WNBA is like. Now you've played professionally in Europe for a while. Now, I mean, you mentioned the season's longer than the WNBA season. How different is the feeling for you now, uh, getting ready for the second WNBA season? Because last year is basically you got drafted and then you were straight into it. So it's a mm-hmm. really different situations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now um, I, I had some, some more time with the team before because, uh, you know, I got drafted, um, went right to Chicago, missed my graduation, went right into training camp and preseason and all that. But now I'm, I'm missing preseason and training camp and just kind of getting right into practice. Mm-hmm. So and a practice with a new coach, a new system, a new everything. So uh, I'm not really sure what to expect, but, I mean, we have pretty much all this, the same players on the team. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to playing with everyone again. I mean, I was just texting Slu after one of my Euro Cup games, um, just like how we couldn't wait to play with each other again and everything. So I, I think it'll, the transition will be okay. you have any specific goals for the upcoming season you don't mind sharing? I mean, we need to make playoffs. For sure. That's like really the only goal I have. Uh, individually, I don't have any like quantitative goals. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that I'm playing more confidently and more aggressively um, and not thinking as much as I was. And, and I should be since I, I know more now. I know how to, how to play in the NBA now. But I, I really just we need to get this team to the playoffs this year. Well, you guys were even at 13 and 21. Weren't you pretty close last year? Kind of, kind of. We had um, we had a little bit of a shot at the end, mm-hmm. but it was going to be like we would have had to win like seven out of nine games or something. Uh, so and like, I think the chances, the couple chances we did have to make it, we blew it. Like we lost a couple big games. Um, so not as close as I'd like to have been. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all part of turning that thing around and turning it into a winning culture. Uh, Gabby. I, actually, I should tell you, I, I live in Vegas now. So when you guys play Vegas this year, you gotta hook, you gotta hook it up. You gotta of hook course. it up because Mandalay Bay is, is close. That's like a five minute drive for us. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah, I'll, I'll look at the schedule. I'll shoot you a text. I said, hey, you, you said in the podcast you'd hook it up. <laughs> we have the receipt <laughs> <laughs> all right gabby seriously congrats on everything you're doing uh it's absolutely deserved it's been so much fun to follow you and it's gonna be fun to continue to follow you as you continue to grow and really become a, a dominant player in this league uh so we appreciate you making some time we, especially at now twelve thirty local time in spain uh, no ha- have a nice rest of your your time out there and uh best of luck this summer stay healthy All right. Thank you so much. It was good talking to you. It's been, I mentioned this at the very top of the show, it's been so fun to watch Gabby come into her own when she was at Reed. um, For those of you who maybe are unfamiliar, she tore her ACL twice, um, tore her junior year, kind of re-tore it. It never really fully repaired, I think, was the end up being the deal her senior year. And there are legitimate concerns that she wouldn't be able to play again, at least not the level that she plays at, because what separates her is her athleticism. And I remember her senior year, her limping out of the gym against Reno, and there was a legit thought of, oh, no. And to see her not only get healthy, but now thrive, um, it's been so awesome. Um, Gabby is completely genuine. She's always been the same person. I mean, she's the same now as she was when she was at least personality-wise and just being a caring, thoughtful person. She's the same now as she was when she was at Reed. Uh, I think it's part of the reason it's so easy to root for her. And so it's going to be fun to watch her in her second season with Chicago this year. Uh, no question. It's also been, I don't know if fun is the word, maybe kind of scary. Um, definitely nerve-wracking. <laughs> Watching must-watch really ramp up. Uh, this week. Tuesday was absolutely insane. Wednesday has been much more mellow. Um, hopefully this content doesn't expire the second we push publish because it's kind of one of those things that feels like it could, it could happen at any moment. So obviously we need to go over what's kind of happened the last couple days. So basically the story started really circling on Monday night on Twitter. A lot of Arkansas in must buzz flying all over the place. And then the Flames really got stoked on Tuesday morning when our man Jeff Goodman, episode 030, tweeted that Musk was a, quote, serious candidate at Arkansas. Then you have a picture surface of the gym at Arkansas, Bud Walton Arena, that was set up for a press conference. And whether that was an old picture, whether that was a press conference or something else or some other event, no one knows. But between the rumors, the Goodman tweet... Then that gets thrown on top of it. And then and then you have someone tweet uh, as a radio personality that Musk was at Arkansas. He was on campus. And that was a lot of, oh, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is going the wrong way in a hurry. <laughs> Real fast. Nevada Twitter was doom and gloom. Uh, but then our man Chris, Chris Murray, episode 021 and 012, reported that Musk was not at Arkansas. He was not in Fayetteville. Then Caleb Martin tweets a video uh, working out with Muss at Reno High, working on his put, uh, working on his post moves. It's funny seeing Caleb next to next to, to Muss. Yeah, <laughs> how much little taller bit. Caleb is? Yeah, little height difference, a little bit. So Caleb puts the video out. Then, uh, then I think Nevada basketball actually put a video out as well. Then the RGJ reports that Danielle Muss's wife shared that they are in Reno with no plans to go anywhere. Maybe no plans today, 
plans do have a way of changing, especially if someone yeah. has a contract in front of you worth however many million dollars a year. <laughs> plans can change. Depends on how optimistic or pessimistic you are and how to <laughs> interpret that tweet. But it was just a crazy swing from this morning. I had people, I had people texting me, DMing me, saying, I've heard it's a done deal. People freaking out. People were getting mad talking to me. And I was having to like, mm-hmm. talk people off the ledge. Like, yeah, yeah. about learning about it. Basketball is now compared to where it was. Yeah, He's yeah, exactly. leaving this program if he is in a much better much better place. Um, so the biggest takeaways that I, I gather from Tuesday – just be careful what you see on Twitter, um, especially this time of year. There's so much rumors going around. You have people who have 97 followers who are saying, I'm hearing this or I'm hearing mm-hmm. that. Well, you're probably hearing a lot of things in your head. You're making stuff up. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're making it up, but I mean, there's all sorts of false stories flying around. You really got to be careful. And some of these people might be just be doing it to lie to get attention because they probably know it's going to get traction at this time of year because people are so on edge and emotions are flying around. Um, mm-hmm. So just be careful what you see on Twitter at this time of year. Oh, we had Doug Newthon. He calls it the silly season just because of all the moves that happen or stories that start circulating. Um, and it certainly is silly. I mean, you can see why he calls it that. It's yeah. kind of been, been silly. I mean, the same thing happened a couple years ago when Musk was flirting with Cal interview the second time. I forget who it was in the Bay Area. Someone reported, Done deal. Yep. I think it was a blogger who wrote for a cow blog. was bragging about their sources. I don't remember what the, exactly what the deal was. Said it was a done deal. Obviously, was not a done deal. And must parlay that experience into a significant pay increase at Nevada. He went from $400,000 a year to a million dollars a year while flirting with cow. So, you know that Doug Newth isn't just sitting around watching, mm-hmm. seeing what's happening. I'm sure he's talking to some people who do have some money in Reno saying, hey, what can we do? Yeah. What can we do? Because if, if it is a money thing, I don't know that Nevada – well, I can tell you Nevada cannot compete with the SEC. Just not going to be able to do it. But Nevada is going to try to sell Musk on the fit and the personality and the lifestyle. I mean, that that's kind of where Nevada is going to go here. Um, I've been talking for like seven minutes, it feels like. So I, I, I'm kind of curious. What, what are some of your thoughts from yesterday's craziness? Well, one, just give him the key to the city. Never let him – Never let him, he gets the key to every door, every building. It's now Musk's building. Um, no, I mean I, I'll fully admit I was a victim of that as well, the Twitter and you know not verified sources. And they, I, I'll definitely contest that, that you got people who may be talking to their buddy in the Rayleigh's, you know, Rayleigh, you know out the Rayleigh's shopping mart or whatever. And mm-hmm. but somebody says something, the next thing you hear is that guy tweets, Hey, I heard that this is happening when his source is his friend or your friend that you know has no background or you know, no media insights right. or anything. But you know, it, I also got a little worked up because I, I, yeah, I've been a little silent on Twitter, also being in Mexico, I haven't been as active. But I got on Twitter, I started scrolling through, and you know, I popped outside to tell our parents and our but and Marcus outside. I was like, hey, apparently, you know, he's talking to Arkansas. And I came out a couple minutes later, and I scrolled farther, and was like, actually, he's in Arkansas. And I scrolled a little farther, and I was like, never mind, he's in Reno. So <laughs> I kind of have that same mindset. It's like with the money, obviously, Nevada can't keep up with the SEC. Right. And it is going to have to be a selling point on the experience and kind of what he can do. Basically, he can create the program in his own way, in his own image here. And he ha- will have basically full autonomy of that, more or less. Yep. But 
I, that's my part. I had to tell myself this and everybody else listening here is, is when you see any news come out or you see any tweet or whatever article, take a deep breath and if it's, <laughs> if it's confirmed and if it's verified and if there's some you know, solid background information to it, it's going to blow up way quick. Yeah. It's going to be coming from multiple sources. You're not going to hear like these little one-off items of he, you know, he actually is in Arkansas or he's not. If it's verified, if it really carries some merit, it's going to blow up very quick. Yeah, I mean, there are a few voices that I really trust when it comes to this stuff. Uh, Jeff Goodman is certainly one of them. John Rothstein is one of them. Uh, Gary mm-hmm. Parrish isn't so much involved with the coaching carousel. Uh, Chris Murray would certainly be one of them. I mean, he he knows what's going on at Nevada, and he he's going to report it when he when he knows that it's actually happening. So yeah. if it's someone with eighty seven followers and their name is L Hoops Wizard, it's it's probably <laughs> it's probably not that legit. Yeah, exactly. Like those those people have nothing to lose by throwing that out there. Exactly, exactly. So where do we go from here? I have no idea. Uh, Arkansas is clearly multiple interviewing multiple people. Um, I saw something on Twitter from someone that um, Steve Alford is out. Who knows if that's real or not? Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, Murray's story, Flight Tracker, it looks like they were also interviewed. Uh, Iowa's head coach, as well as Patino's boy up at Minnesota. I don't know if any of those are necessarily exciting. I would say Musk is probably the most exciting uh, of those names. We'll see. The longer this drags out, I think the more it ultimately hurts Nevada. Um, because that means we're getting deeper into the coaching carousel season. More yep. jobs are starting to get filled up. How many guys are going to be left that Nevada would want to target? Who knows? I don't think Arkansas wants to wait around that much longer. I mean, it's it's very possible this thing happens soon. I don't I don't know why they would want to you know sit and twirl their thumbs for for that long. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. We'll see. It's completely possible that we don't see Muss on Nevada's bench next year. It's completely possible that we do see him uh, on the bench. And if he does leave. Consider where this program was when he took over, coming off a nine-win season with David Carter, and consider where it is now. Nevada is now, I don't want to say a destination, per se, I don't say there's a lot of coaches dying to come to Reno, but there are coaches that would happily come to Reno and take over this situation. And that's that's much different than what it was when Mush showed up. So Nevada certainly has that going for it. Okay, that's certainly going to be a story that is going to be uh, evolving, something we're going to be talking about over the coming weeks. I'm sure. Hopefully, there's some sort of resolution soon. It'd be great if we we see that Must signs an extension at Nevada, and the number there you would look at obviously is the buyout. I mean, that would be the number that's important right now. It's a million dollars, which isn't going to scare anyone away, especially not the SEC. Yeah. So you'd hope that if he does sign an extension, they would be a little bit higher, a little bit, a little bit loftier. Um, but again, that's this going to be really. It's still going to be bumpy. Buckle up, guys. It, it, this thing is far from over. Double, um, du- double your contribution and strengthen the pack. Strengthen the pack. Season tickets. Send us all the tweets. I mean, it, it's all hands yeah. on deck right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, let's talk some. Let's go back to some Nevada baseball here. Uh, Nevada's got San Diego State at Pecoli Park this weekend. It's still kind of cold in Reno, especially at night. And now that basketball season is over, it is time for Nevada baseball and softball in Reno. Softball, by the way, 20 and 12, 5 and 1 in the Mountain West. Josh Taylor and the girls are dominating out of the gate here. They're at New Mexico this weekend. Baseball is 15 and 13, 5 and 7, as I've mentioned. Uh, and the pack needs your support. 
So get your season tickets today, and we will see you at Pacoli and Hickson Park soon. Call 775-348-PAC or visit NevadaWolfPack.com. What's something we need to know about the Aztecs? Well, other than them being Oregon State today, which kind of crossed all of my notes that I was writing last night. Uh, they they actually, beat them they again beat, today? I know they beat them, them four, Tuesday. Oh, was it Tuesday 4-3? Yeah. I thought that was... Oh, yeah, okay. It, so it, I was it, looking it was at the two, wrong It was a two-game two series. Okay. But before that, prior to me writing my notes, I'm going to go off that. They were two and four in their last six. Now they're going to be three and four in their last seven, which isn't going to be as bad as I was and trying that's to. That's not as juicy of a stat now. Yeah, exactly. It's like I was trying to really hone on them not being, you know, hitting a skid. So with that, Oregon State, I mean, I think they were like six. Number six ranked. in the country. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're doing, they were up there. But prior to that, San Diego State had been hit a little, hitting a little bit of skid. Um, but then I will save my next one for after you go. Yeah, I was going to go with the exact same point. This program hadn't been playing well. They were 15 and 12, 5 and 5 in the Mountain West. They had lost four of six. But uh, going to Corvallis, Cor Vegas, and beating the number six team in the country on a, on a weekday, it's a weekday, so you always see some weird results, college baseball weekday games. That's a nice win. Uh, they had lost three straight um, before beating Fresno on Sunday. Then they go to Oregon State, they play the Beavers again. Tonight, the game starts in about 10 minutes, the time that we're recording this. The RPI before the win of Oregon State, sitting at 113, not great. The team with the best RPI in the Mountain West, Air Force, at 83. And the Mountain West, it's not exactly been a banner year for, for Mountain West baseball. And as I mentioned, Nevada has the worst RPI in the Mountain West at 166. What are we doing? Well, feeding on that, though, one good site to go for is that San Diego State, they do have a long road ahead of them. They played 21 of their 34 home games already, and they will play at Tony Gwynn Stadium, their home stadium, for only six games during April. Wow. San Diego State played at home 13 times during March, and that's the same total as San Diego State's home games for the remainder of the season. So they're going to be getting worn out. They are going to be doing a ton of traveling including this weekend uh Mm -hmm. san diego state this is kind of crazy they are third in the mountain west in batting average runs scored hits doubles rbis total bases slugging walks grounded into double plays in sacrifices how do you finish third in the conference in so many stats i have no idea and I don't know what it means. I mean, there's seven teams in the Mount West. You're third. You're doing pretty well. But to be locked into the same spot across so many stats, mm-hmm. I thought it was bananas. And I'm like, I'm absolutely sharing that. Yeah, that takes a healthy balance. I'm sure that uh, each guy coming up to the plate is keeping that into consideration. Oh, it's a it's a huge talking point for them. Not too many <laughs> Talk- hits today. Not too many hits. We need to stay in third. And the guy that's leading that conversation is Matt Rudick, their sophomore outfielder. And he is just stroking the ball right now. He is he's um his batting average right now is batting about three twenty. Or sorry, geez, my notes are literally all over the place. I'm still blaming the margarita and the blood. <laughs> Last year he finished the season batting three twenty. Um is uh good for the best batting average by a Aztec freshman since the Mountain West era in two thousand. And he's on a nineteen that's where I was going with this. Now now we're going full circle. Now I got it. He's on a 19-game hit streak. I'm glad you so finally he, landed that thing. It's like, where I is know. he going with this? 
I'm sitting there, you know, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Sierras right now. My mind just, I, you know, I'm wishing I'm in Cancun, but yeah. So Matt Matt Rudick, he has been a bright side. The whole team's been struggling, but he's still whacking the ball. Uh, the pitching staff for San Diego State is pretty strong. Uh, they're holding opponents to a 255 batting average. Only Fresno is better. Fresno is holding opponents to 244 batting average. Nevada's offense we talked about kind of right now is uh, hopefully Josh Moore hits a dinger and there's guys on base when he does it. And San Diego State's only given up 11 dingers this year. That's tied with New Mexico for the best in the Mountain West. And there's going to be a really fun matchup on Friday night on the bump between Ryan Anderson and Aaron Eden, their Friday starter. He's a stud. 39, 39 innings pitched this year. He's got an ERA of 2-5, 26 strikeouts to 11 walks. Uh, so he's tough. You'd figure that runs are going to be at a premium uh, on Friday. And considering that's no matter his game two and game three, starters aren't playing so well right now. Uh, that feels like a really important game, the start of that series. So hopefully Nevada's offense can you know, get some guys going against uh, a dude who's who's dealing right now. Who's your favorite player on the other roster? Ryan Orr, junior catcher. The reason why I picked him, none other than the team name slash league he plays in, played in last year in the summer. Played 19 games for the Holy Springs Salamanders. Of Holy the Coast- Springs. Holy Springs Salamanders of the Coastal Plain League. Uh, numbers weren't too great, 275, a couple dingers, a couple triples. But the one other stat they posted, and maybe I've just been this far removed from baseball, and I was a, I mean, you remember, I was a catcher and stuff, so this number did not sound that great, but they posted it, is that he threw out 12 runners attempting to steal for a 31% runner caught stealing percentage. And I don't think, eh, I mean... It's not great. That's all, I was thinking, I was like, I don't know, maybe... Obviously, playing D1 ball a little bit better than my 2A GSHL. Go Beavs. <laughs> <laughs> but I read that and was like, 31%. I was like, man, I just may be you know, too far removed now to realize that that's a good thing. Because I was like, that does not seem that that good. No, it's it, it's not that good. Uh, I didn't necessarily go. I picked. I did single one kid out. But something I thought was interesting looking at San Diego State's roster. They have 30 guys on the roster. Guess how many of them are from California? 29 not that many 27 kids they have from california they they do not go out of state and they don't really need to especially Mm -hmm. being where where they're located they have one kid from hawaii one from arizona and one from vegas so i did single out the vegas kid sophomore catcher joe fitzhugh f-i-t-z-h-u-g-h fitzhugh went to Mm -hmm. arbor view was a stud there and he now is their uh, starting catcher okay keys to a series win gotta put runs up we we've talked about the Zamora dingers and hopefully there's guys on base, but small ball dinks dinks there over the second baseman. I mean, it's got to have some sort of run support and with San Diego state having a especially good um, starting, uh, starting rotation bullpen, you know, above average as well. You just got to jump on them early and you got to get some runs, put them backed up in the corner. They're, they're traveling up here. So run support, please. Yeah, that's obviously the first one. Uh, offense has been. I, I don't. I don't want to keep pounding on the offense. Not like those guys aren't trying. They certainly are. They are. They're aware they're not scoring runs, and you just hope they're not pressing too much because that's certainly what happens here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the offense starts pressing, uh, start getting frustrated. The staff starts getting frustrated. So hopefully TJ Bruce is able to kind of mellow that out because I can guarantee you those guys are 
I mean, they can feel it. I mean, they know what they're doing offensively right now. And if Nevada is going to win a series against a good San Diego State team, they're going to have to score more than three or four runs a game. They're, they're, they're just going to have to. So that, that was my first point as well. I'm also going to say use the weather. You just said there's 27 to 30 of them are California boys. Those California boys don't want to be dealing with the weather up here. Last I checked, it's supposed to be pretty crummy. I know it's supposed to be snowing up in the mountains. Um, I'm going to assume that's going to be raining down here in the valley, so the weather's not going to be that great. Put them on their toes. They're, I mean, they're used to playing right on the beach. Great weather. You've been, we've been practicing up here all season, used to the cold. They're going to have to find a way to have that also mess up their equilibrium as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much it's, it's going to bother them. I mean, they, they play in the Mountain West. They've played in Reno before. They played in Albuquerque before. Um, well, the way the way it's going right now, we got to find any point. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, something I talked about at the top. Can Owen Schartz and Jake Jackson right the ship? We were hoping they'd be able to do it last last week. It wasn't the case. Uh, Nevada is three and five in games two and three this year in Mountain West play. Has been outscored by seventeen runs in games two and three. In game one, right when Ryan Anderson goes, Nevada's two and two, so the record isn't that much better, but the run differential is even. Um, so you would just hope that the Owen Sharts, the freshman, Jake Jackson, the the sophomore, maybe this is the week at home against a good San Diego State team, they can pump up for it and they can really start writing this the ship here because the offense started the year so strong, the staff started the year strong. It seemed like wow, this can be really special. And now this team's it's kind of flipped here with the offense and the the Saturday and Sunday starters. So hopefully this is the weekend they can get it going. If Nevada is going to win a series, one of them needs to turn in a solid outing. One mm-hmm. of them is going to find a way to do something. And then my, my last one, San Diego State is the worst defensive team in the Mountain West. They have a fielding percentage of 960. They've committed 42 errors compared to, to Nevada's 27. Nevada does strike out a ton, so Nevada's got to find a way to put the ball in play this weekend and maybe get to take, a, take advantage of some of the, the sloppy defense from San Diego State this year. They struck out 18 times, Nevada did, in, two, in the two losses to Air Force. In the win against Air Force, they only struck out five times. So that, that's kind of a theme to watch this weekend is, is, is Nevada putting the ball in play because San Diego State has proved this year that it will boot it. It will boot the baseball. What's your prediction? I don't like doing this. And everybody who hears my predictions all season, they know I'd definitely give a more optimistic side, but I'm going to say Nevada steals one of three. That was my pick as well. We, we both said Nevada was going to take two or three last weekend, and it wasn't the case. Nevada almost got swept, if not for a, a walk-off uh, on Friday night. The Bats scored 16 runs in the opener against Missouri State, and that has by far been Nevada's best offensive showing of the year. Nevada hasn't had really an offensive showing that's been kind of even remotely close to that. I mean, 16 runs is a ton. Um, they've scored more than five runs just seven times since. It's been 26 games, well, 27, actually six times, because they scored six runs today. And they scored more than seven runs just once. And kind of an interesting stat here, Nevada is 7-1 and one when scoring six or more runs. 7-1, and one, just six runs. So as much as you know, we can maybe say the games two and three starters haven't been great, Again, it gets magnified when the offense is struggling to score runs. So it kind of seems like that six-run threshold is important for this team. They scored six today against Sacramento State. I think they get one of one of three, um, drop two. So they, I think they're going to lose the series. Uh, some interesting 
you know, did some clicking back here when we were all feeling really good about Nevada baseball early in the year. And maybe they turn it on. You know, maybe they get it, they start playing well going into the conference tournament in Reno. Missouri State was ranked number 24 in the country when Nevada hung 16 on them. It was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Look at this group. Here we go. Missouri State's record right now is 8-19. and 19. They are Yikes. no longer number 24 in the country. Then Nevada goes to Long Beach State, plays the Dirtbags, perennially, perennially tough program, and sweeps them. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Long Beach State is 3-23. and 3-23? and 3-23. What is going on? <laughs> what are they doing? With... with I mean, their their baseball program is so storied now. Their non-conference schedule is unbelievably stacked. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievably mm-hmm. stacked. But still. Th- that said, I mean, they've just had a, a season from hell. <laughs> yeah. Win three of your first 25. Good Lord. 26. We're not a uh, math podcast. Eh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's kick it to some slants now. I'm hoping I don't screw this read up for the second straight week. Um, still nursing the sunburn. So was Adam. It is summer. I don't care what you guys say. It is summer, especially down here in Vegas. It's starting to get hot. Summer means Tahoe. It means floating the river. It means board shorts and bikinis. And a lot of us are trying to get it together. I'm trying to get rid of that red keg he's carrying around right now. And if I'm talking about you as well, you guys really need to check out Movement Nutrition in Reno. Uh, Jake will work with you on a custom fitness and nutrition plan that provides sustainable weight loss. It allows you to eat what you want. When you want. I'm not just saying that. You guys can go check out his website. He has all sorts of before and after pictures. They're really crazy. Uh, visit movementnutrition.com. That's M-O-V-E-M-I-N-T, nutrition.com. Or call 775-538-5555. Games of the weekend. College basketball is wrapping up. It's so sad. It been, I think I funneled enough Nevada was playing this weekend. I know. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> All right. Um, obviously, the final four games are in there. Uh, what are you looking at? Auburn versus Virginia. I'm going to be paying a little more attention to that one just because I think Michigan State's going to take Texas Tech pretty, I think, easier, even though the spread's tighter. But Virginia's five-and-a-half favorite over under 131. But they did lo- – Virginia – or Auburn lost that – I can't remember what his name is right now. The guy that got um, hurt. Oh, so that, or whatever his oh, name is. Yeah, something interesting like that. So it'll be crazy to see. But Auburn, I mean, I'm not as mad now looking back on Auburn now that Auburn's in the Final Four. But I bet on South Carolina in the very first round when Auburn played him. And I don't know if anybody <laughs> remembers, but South Carolina just completely imploded, uh, lost the game when they were up by like 11, I think, at one point. Um, so that's going to be the, that's what, that'll be the college game. But then other than that, I'm just pissed because now I can't even say the AAF. AAF makes it seven weeks. Oh God! I can't can't even say my hot shots. They Ugh. so there's that. So then my second game I'm going to say is watching Nevada Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So you got the two final four games this weekend. The title games on Monday. Virginia's a five and a half point favorite over uh, Auburn. Uh, Michigan State is a two and a half point favorite against Texas Tech. The storyline in that second game is you got Chris Beard out of nowhere against Tom Izzo, who's in his eighth Final Four, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. The Auburn-Virginia game, Auburn can really shoot it. Virginia's incredible defensively. Auburn wants to go crazy and create chaos. Virginia wants to play within a system. So two really contrasting styles on that one. Be kind of fun to follow. And then... Uh, Did you... It, 
Did you catch the Virginia versus Purdue game? Yeah, it was nuts. Oh my god, that was a amazing Elite Eight game. That, that was fun. And not to talk about my bracket right now because no one cares. For the first time ever, I got all Final Four teams into into the Elite Eight. All Final Four. And I went one for four with the one that I had right being Virginia and I had Virginia losing the next game. So I lost, I lost Duke, I lost Gonzaga, and I lost, uh, who was the other one? Kentucky. Well, we're going to find out here real soon, but I, I don't know off the top of my head. Whoever's leading our pool, 99.2 percentile. Or when I was looking, yeah, when I looked at it last. Um, see, this is another thing. If, if you're listening to this, you need to change your name so we can identify you. ESPN eight three two four one zero six three one two. So I think it's this person's twelfth bracket. So this comes with an asterisk, I think. <laughs> yeah. Not mm. all, not all of them are in here, obviously. Um and they have Michigan State winning it all. So they got a sh- there's three people in the top ten ooh, in the top twenty, nineteen who have Michigan State. There's a couple people who have Virginia winning it all. Um, so that's going to be fun to follow this week and see who's going to get hooked up with uh, $100, $100 gift card to Tipsy Elves, Golf for Two to Toyabi, and then um, some swag from Silver and Blue Outfitters. That's going to be huge fun pa- to follow. Huge package. Yeah, no kidding. Whoa. Huge package. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, and we're not there yet. A couple quick ones. But we are one week away from the best napping event of the year. Hello, friends. <laughs> We're here at Amen Quarter where the Azaleas blossoming. The Masters, they're coming up. I was a uh, the other night it was so funny. I was I was so funny. It was so funny. I was watching just the Masters intro music. And like I had it was I listened to, like the 2015 the Sunday lead in to the broadcast. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, I'm fired up." <laughs> yeah. It is always nice. They show yeah. the pond, the little water, the little water fountain. Oh, you can't beat it. Just give me Tiger in the hunt. On Sunday, I need. Yeah, it. exactly. I need you, it. You want to see the just the herd of people following him? <laughs> <laughs> that just remind me of. Uh, oh my god, hot rod, hot rod, hot rod. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know. I know where you're going with that. Uh, and then two other things that again are starting up here. NBA playoffs start next Saturday. I like the NBA playoffs. I don't really follow the regular season that much, but the playoffs are super fun. And the NHL playoffs start next Wednesday. We got a, It's gonna be kind of an interesting first round matchup. We got San Jose. You got a lot of San Jose Sharks fans in Reno, and the Knights in in the first round. Um, kind of crazy. The Knights have the second best odds right now to win the Stanley Cup. They've kind of been struggling of late, but they have the second best odds at six to one. Tampa has the best at nine to four. The third best odds is San Jose at seven to one. Uh, so you got a, a heavyweight matchup right out of the gate. And you got you're gonna have Nevada split in that one with so many Sharks fans in Reno, and then obviously down here in Vegas, a um, few more few more Knights fans. Yeah, just a couple. All right, let's let's debut this new slant. I'm, I'm kind of excited to do this. We'll see how often we actually do it over the course of summer. But talking baseball, um, neither of us follow Major League Baseball that closely. We're not watching every single night, um, but we do pay a little bit of attention. So what are some storylines that have grabbed you here the first week or so of the season? Well, first, I'm going to give a shout-out to T-Mobile. T-Mobile Tuesdays giving us the MLB TV hookup, so I've been keeping up with that. For sure. Um, but Mariners, just doing it in Mariners fashion. Just super hot start, 7-1 right now. And um, 
last night at dinner, the question was asked, like, how up to date, or it wasn't dad that asked, it was Marcus, was, you know, how are you going to keep up with it? And I said the same thing I said last year when the Mariners came out of the the gate. I said, I will wait two weeks after the All-Star break, and if they are still hanging around, I'll probably keep in, but they are... They're having a great start, but I was watching the the game last night. I barely knew anybody on the team, so I was like, I got some I got some homework to do before <laughs> I before I start recalling myself a up to date Mariners fan. Yeah, they uh, they're seven and one after Tuesday night. It's the best start in franchise history. Their only loss uh, was against the Red Sox. They blew a five run lead, gave up a three run dinger. In the ninth, we do not have a closer right now. Our closer, Hunter Strickland, is going to be out for at least a couple months. This thing is completely taped together. This was supposed to be a step back season. They got to the seven one year, and I'm dangerously close to being all in already. <laughs> dangerously close, Nathan. You know better. You know better. I know. I can't quit you, though. You, you've seen it. You're like a drug addict, right? <laughs> I need. I need. I need it. it. <laughs> Shoot it straight into my veins. Yeah. So the Mariners are certainly a, a fun one. Some other storylines. Uh, do you see Bryce Harper's bat flip? Uh, No, I didn't see it, but I heard it was just monstrous. So, Bryce, it's his first game back in D.C. They're booing the hell out of him. He's slurping it. Absolutely slurping it. And he gets K'd up his first two at-bats, and then he ends up going like three for five with three ribbies. He hit Mm -hmm. a dinger in like the seventh or the eighth. The game is already over at that point. But he hit a dinger that went about 500 feet, and he had the most aggressive... April second bat flip you will ever see. <laughs> That's a-, a good way to put. That's a good way to put it. April second. It's a six-two game. It really means nothing. I mean, I don't want to say it means nothing, but it doesn't mean much no. except for Bryce and he just unloaded. That's and just that's that's in Bryce Harper fashion, though. I he wouldn't it, do it. He wouldn't do it in any other way. I thought it was great. I mean, that's ba- ba- people say baseball's boring and it's slow. It needs that. It needs. It needs Bryce Harper being pissed off at the DC fans who are booing him. Uh, that's nice. Everybody, you need a villain, and he's <laughs> he's like a weird. He's like a, a villain, but he's also a protagonist because he was like this young kid superstar on Sports Illustrated when he was fourteen years mm-hmm. old. He's like this weird person who d- fills both he, roles. He, he does have a weird dynamic, and it's just like. You know, for the Nationals, they were never making any deep playoff runs or anything. So it's not like he was blowing anybody's teams out of the contention and stuff. So, yeah, he was just kind of always there. I mean, he's putting up, obviously, great performances and stuff, but never really, like... Um, yeah. Didn't get done the playoffs. That's kind of was his knock. Didn't win with the with the Nationals in the playoffs. We'll see what he can do uh, with the Phillies. The other storyline, uh, Giancarlo Stanton on the 10-day injured list with a bicep strain. Uh, obviously, one of baseball's bigger names. Crazy stat. And it... Before they put him on the injured list, he was two for eight with seven walks mm. in like four games or something. Dude, just walking all over the place. Dudes are terrified to pitch to him. I don't blame him. Yeah. He's he's so big. He's huge, but the, he also K's up a lot. Oh, for sure. K's up a ton. Yeah. Yeah, not a great time. All right. Social Slant, uh, thank you so much to all you guys who asked questions again. We love getting these from you guys. Uh, we'll start with Fake Matt Mummy. This is the most PG question we've gotten from Fake Matt Mummy in a while. He usually likes to push the limits a little bit. Uh, Fake Matt Mummy asks, what's the most annoying day on social media? April Fool's Day, May the 4th, Talks Like a Pirate Day, Earth Day, National Reno Slant Day, etc. He hit it on the head. April Fool's Day. I, I tried to stay completely off Twitter 
and social on April Fool's Day because it is just loaded with terrible April Fool's jokes. Yeah, it's hit and miss. I mean, some people do like good ones that are funny. Maybe uh, I got maybe I got to start following who you're following because the ones I <laughs> the ones I've seen in the recent years it's almost made me want to vomit. You just need to relax, bro. Don't take it so serious. No, no. you you got to recognize it's coming. I, I you gotta, demand you know that it's coming and then look at it through that lens. I demand perfection from everybody but myself. So if they're <laughs> they're not giving me the jokes, I don't want to hear it. It's so funny that people post. There's always the April April Fool's Day jokes, and there are people who buy it, just so mm-hmm. oblivious. Like Nevada did one. Like we're going back to we're, we're going to be the sage brushers now, and here's a and you look at some of the response, be like, yes, I love it. Like <laughs> you guys <laughs> been preach been preaching this for years. <laughs> come, come on, we, we got to be better than that. But so I'll yeah, go yeah. the most annoying day. I I like April's Fool's Day actually. I think it's kind of fun. Uh, May the Fourth is certainly annoying, just because in the sense that us in our non-movie watching ways, not Star Wars people, I don't not a huge fan. Uh, mm-hmm. October third is up there. You want know the relevance of October third? No, it's the Mean Girls gif. Oh my of, god! Yeah, of the yeah. guy turning around asking Lindsay Lohan, "What day is it?" It's October third. Yeah. So that's that's one of them. I would say National Arena Slant Day is every single day, and those are mm-hmm. never annoying. So um, I don't even know why that one was included. I'm borderline <laughs> offended. <laughs> Triggered. Ryan at Law of the Jungle NV. How long do Reno area businesses have to worry about productivity losses this month? <laughs> so the, the joke there is that on Tuesday, no one was doing anything. Everyone was just sitting there updating their Twitter feed. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't one of them. I, I was clearly plugged into what's going on, who, who's saying what. Um, and like I said, I think the Arkansas job, I think that'll fill relatively quickly. But when one job fills, it usually creates some sort of domino effect. Um, so until all the big jobs are filled, I, I think there will be concerns for uh, Reno area businesses about productivity. You have UCLA is out there. There was rumors about Jamie Dixon going there. Apparently, he has an $8 million buyout for some reason at TCU. And UCLA was like, we're not touching that. Yeah. Um, so apparently... UCLA is going to stay open. TCU will still have a coach. Arkansas is still open. Um, Buzz, uh, Buzz Williams, Virginia Tech, is taking the A&M job reportedly. Who's going to take the Virginia Tech job? Is TCU going to open up with Shaka Smart? Uh, we'll see if USC and Arizona open up. So, like I said, even if Musk doesn't take the Arizona job, this thing is going to be bumpy for a little bit. So I just advise you to uh, get a seatbelt, get a couple of beers ready to go, um, cause this is going to be a stressful, stressful month. Shelf squad. I was literally going to say buckle in. <laughs> Blake asks if Trump shuts the border down, which Mexican product would you miss the most? I actually saw an article about it. Avocados. <laughs> they, there was an article that said there'd be some massive shortage of avocados. And I love my, I'm a millennial. I love my avocado toast. So I might have a melt. I might panic. I love that you preface that with like, I actually saw an article and actually read a little bit of it. <laughs> I didn't just skim it. I actually read it. I was ready. <laughs> the sad part is I also read a story about avocado prices probably <laughs> skyrocketing <laughs> if the border shuts down. We already know the guac is extra. Come on. Exactly. Christ. It's going to be more than the burrito by the time this thing goes. Uh, Blake also asks, uh, if the Reno Slant could be sponsored by a local brewery, which brewery would you choose? And is this where you guys would be recording your live first anniversary? Putting words into your mouth there. So um, I would flip this one. 
Which one would you want to see sponsor us? What are some of the local breweries that you like? Um, Reno has an awesome craft beer scene. We would love to celebrate that. As far as doing a live recording for our first anniversary, late August, that would be a ton of fun. We've talked about <laughs> potentially doing that a couple of different things. There would be a lot of things that need to happen, guys, before <laughs> before we get there. Uh, it would be super fun. But a brewery would, would certainly make sense. So mm-hmm. I'd be curious to hear from you, Blake, maybe anyone else who, who has a few breweries they particularly enjoy in Reno. Let us know. What, what are some breweries that you, that you really like and you maybe like to see get involved with the podcast here? Uh, over email... Andrew asks, Adam and Nathan, name some short-lived things that lasted longer than the Alliance of American Football. So, first things first, uh, rest in peace, sweet prince, Alliance of American Football. Made it two months before folding. So, the question really is, who's to blame here? What is going on? Because I went on this fine podcast podcast, podcast, a couple months ago and said, I think this has a real shot. I like what they're doing. Um it started going sideways. You hear the rumors about or the story like they almost missed payroll week one. Then you have Tom Dundon. Follow me on this. Tom Dundon is the Carolina Hurricanes owner. He was the one who allegedly promised to invest $250 million in February into the Alliance of American Football to keep it afloat. And he is the one who ultimately decided to shut this thing down. Uh, Ebersol, Polian... Uh, both made statements strongly disagreeing with him to suspend operations, strongly disagreeing. At this point, he was $70 million into this thing. He created this weird stare down with the NFLPA where he said this thing can't succeed unless the NFL was willing to uh, let it, let their players play in our league. And it just felt like that was premature. Uh, the ratings weren't great, but from the stories that I read, that they were not bad either. They were doing okay. Had a TV deal already. They had a TV deal in place. You watch the games, though. I mean, there was no one in those stands. That's yeah. not surprising, though. Um, so it, it just felt like they pulled the plug on this thing awfully quick. I mean, it's easy for me to say it wasn't my $70 million into this thing. Mm-hmm. But you knew that if you're agreeing to invest that much money, this isn't going to happen overnight. This is going to take time. And yeah. they had three more weeks left in the regular season than the playoffs. Um, was super sad when they moved the championship game away from Vegas to, to Frisco. They technically suspended operations, so they haven't shut the door, but it, it, this thing's done. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm sad about it. It was fun to kind of pay attention to. Admittedly, I was way more excited at the start of the season. I found myself kind of losing interest in that thing. Yeah, I think an idea would be instead of putting it on television – I know they stream some games. They should all be stream. Like, why didn't Netflix or Hulu or YouTube? Mm-hmm. If they stream, like, I don't have cable anymore. I would have watched the games though if I could just type in a little URL link. And doesn't Twitter stream some games? Uh, Twitter does some of the stuff too. Facebook now, and there are all sorts of options they could have done for streaming. Yeah. Um, I, I think that maybe would have helped. I, I just think it's a it's a tough uh, tough battle to win if you get in a you know staring contest with the NFL. <laughs> Well, they're tr- they were trying to partner with the NFL, and then Dundon comes in and says, we need you, and creates mm-hmm. public pressure. And, I, yeah, that works well, trying to really blackmail the NFL. Yeah. Well, some of the reports I was saying with Napoleon and the other guy, that they were saying they weren't anticipating real, you know, three years down the road was kind of when they were expecting right. any partnership stuff. And then, yeah, like you're saying, this guy just comes in and basically burns it up. Yeah. So, kind of unfortunate AAF. May you rest in peace. 
eight weeks of heaven. So great. That's to put my Manziel jersey back to rest. Yeah, so the question is, short-lived things that still lasted longer than the Alliance of American Football. So I'll go Nevada's yeah. run as a top 10 team in the country. They won't be a top 10 team next year, at least not to start the year. So we're both just going to be dicks and pick Nevada things because I was going to say Nevada baseball excitement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow, that's a good one. That, that didn't last longer than, than eight weeks, though. Eh, if you include offseason. It yeah. plays. Good yeah, place. right around there. Uh, my belief that I would be a professional athlete one day. Mm. Do you take a pass? <laughs> the last one I, I got. Uh, every vacation that Adam takes once a month. <laughs> hey, got to be consistent. <laughs> uh, over on Instagram, Toyobi Golf Club. Shout out. We're getting ready for golf in warm weather. Same. We want to know everyone's favorite spring outdoor activity besides golf. What are a couple of things you got? Uh, I mean, on the area, you're going to Tahoe. That's a yeah. no-brainer here. Um, besides golf, though, uh, gambling, being a degenerate. You're outside, though, so it's got to be on your phone. Yeah, I was say, does that count as an outdoor activity? <laughs> It's so funny. Uh, the first one I was going to say is walking outside and updating Twitter to see if Muss is still in Nevada or not. <laughs> Something sport related there. Uh, honestly, uh, one of the coolest things about spring about spring is when like we're at the point now where you can walk outside and it's like warm and the mm-hmm. sun feels good, but it's not a million degrees. After, yeah, yeah. especially in Reno, I remember that like after some of the winters, you walk, like it finally starts to turn. Like, oh my god, Inject yeah, no, into exa- my veins. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is, I mean, we all know how bipolar the Reno weather is, so I'm a victim of this almost every year, is getting way too excited when the first warm day comes out. I change my bed sheets, I put my sweatshirts away, and then two days Bam, later, snow. I Yeah. Yep. Joke's on you, guy. <laughs> so I'll be a little more patient this year with the weather-wise. Uh, Marcus, your roommate, the Mariners are off to a hot start. How long before they implode? Um, my confidence level is different from you. I think it's going to be a before All Star break that they're going to be sliding down to the four spot in the West. Oh, I wouldn't say that I'm confident. I'm just saying uh, I'm so used to being ex- 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 yeah, yeah. trashed by the Mariners. I'm just recklessly jumping on the bandwagon now. Well, there's uh, just yeah, there's a couple things. The Astros are on a horrible start right now. That I mean, um, let's see. Rangers. I don't fuck. I'm not even going to pretend I know what the Rangers. What's going on in they, Texas? The Rangers suck this year. They okay. suck. So we, no we, might not, we might not get last. I mean, how, how long before they implode? Literally any minute. I mean, it, it could literally <laughs> happen any, any minute. This like, thing's held, by, held up by scotch tape right now. It's any, not even duck. It could happen. Yeah, I, we talked about that we don't have a closer. Well, I mean, we're still rolling Felix out there. We don't. I mean, he actually had a good outing his, his first game. Um, but just, yeah, it's confidence is not. Not high. I've been a Mariner fan my entire life. I know how this game goes. I've I've seen this movie many, many times. Uh, Brad asks, uh, in response to my question, Shaupai spotted. So I've already addressed the Shaupai. Uh When is Adam going to give his first interview? And other than Nevada, what school would you guys make a podcast for? So I'd say we have you give your first interview when we get SVP on. Oh, I'm what down. Do you say? Right back in. I'm right down. into the fire. Yeah. My only thing, yeah, with, Ask with the having tough it, questions, to SVP. Yeah, you're gonna see just my face turn red as a tomato. You would be so <laughs> scared. 
<laughs> oh, I would, I would be wearing a diaper to that interview. <laughs> so what do you think about sports? <laughs> so you got a comb? So you, you don't have any hair, huh? You, you wear glasses? <laughs> you like, so you like Maryland? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> terps, are, terps are okay this year. <laughs> Uh, in terms of the other school we would do a podcast for, I mean, the easy answer I think people would expect us to say is would be Washington. Mm-hmm. That said, part of what makes this podcast so fun for us and hopefully for you guys listening as well is the fact that there aren't any Nevada-specific options. We kind of saw that there was a void and said, hey, let's go do this. And that's kind of why this thing is working and starting to gain traction. And this this fan base has been underserved, especially in this medium. So I think that's what makes this podcast so fun. So I think Washington would be the easy answer, but it would be fun to maybe do a school that people would have like no knowledge of. I mean, it would take a lot of work for us to get up to speed on what's going on. Um, but something like Little Rock, Arkansas. Wofford. Wofford. I actually thought about today. We, I was like, you and I should start a San Jose State podcast Ooh. and try and create turmoil to like – Get some sort of movement and get them out of the conference. <laughs> yeah. There we Stir go. Stir up the fan base. Get them out of there. The, the San Jose slant. Hey. <laughs> SJS. All- alliteration. Yeah, there we go. We're on to something here. San Jose Got State. N- let's do it. The next one. All right. Let's get out of here on Random Reno. Uh, what do you got? Nevada. I'm going to do the whole state. Is one of only seven states without a lottery. Yep. They want you gambling in the casinos. Exactly. I'm going to keep you in. But it's always fresh. I mean, I don't really do the lottery, but it's always fun when you see the news. And like, oh, the mega jackpot crystal Powerball is at $1.8 billion or whatever. Can you imagine winning that? I think I would just die from a heart attack. Like, like the, the level of excitement you would feel with those numbers called, like, I don't – I mean – I don't I've, always, know. I've always said that like, if I won that, like the first thing I'm doing is I'm dropping everything. I'm going to the airport. Like I'm just going to the airport, yeah. any, mini, miny, mo. But I think that if you saw that you won it, my first reaction would maybe be fear. Yeah. Oh, like, seriously. I'm hanging on to something that's this value. People find out there are people that would do, they would kill me for this thing. They would literally kill me for this thing. Oh, yeah. For sure. So it's like, how, how do I react? Don't put anything on social. Who do I reach out to? What do I do? Next um, qu- where do you cash that thing? Or do you have to like call in a number and tell people that you have it? I'm, I'm sure there's a number that you call and there's a whole it's, operation. I mean, obviously you got to report arm, everything. Get, yeah. yeah, get armed guards down to my house right now. <laughs> yeah, it would be kind of scary winning that yeah. thing. That's a, I didn't even think about that. Uh, my random Reno, Lake Tahoe has all sorts of crazy facts. I'm going to Lake Tahoe fact this week. Lake Tahoe's greatest depth is 1,645 feet. And I was, I was thinking of this because I, I remember this when we did the the bike ride up at Tahoe this summer. I saw it one of the signs, whatever. The deepest part of Lake Tahoe, the bottom of the lake, is 92 feet below Carson City. The Absolutely. lake goes deeper than Carson City. And people who aren't from Northern Nevada are like, "What does that even mean?" But you yeah. know, so you drive through Carson City, then you climb this, you climb the Sierra Nevada mountains, then you go down a little bit and you see the lake. But the lake goes deeper than Carson City on the other side of the mountains in the valley. It's absolutely bonkers. That's crazy. A lot of water. <laughs> and that's a lot of podcast. Uh, thank you guys 
uh, for listening. It's obviously our show this week. March, I'm going to give a shout out to all you guys who listened to the show. March was our biggest month ever. And we, we appreciate you guys greatly for listening to the podcast, for helping spread the word and, and getting this thing out there. Thank you to the one and only Gabby Williams for coming on the podcast. So fun catching up with her. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Thank you to The Real Tiger Woods for the iTunes 5-star review of the week. You need to reach out to us so we can hook you up with a round up for two to Toyabi Golf Club. Congrats on the free round. If you're listening and you want to go to Toyabi for free, you and a buddy, just go onto our iTunes landing page, go scroll down to write a review, leave a quick review. What do you like about the show? What do you like about this episode? And we'll see if we pick you next week and we'll maybe hook it up. Thank you to our partners at Tipsyells and Movement Nutrition. Thank you to all of you who submitted questions again this week. That's such a fun slant for us doing the social slant. Make sure you subscribe and follow the Reno Slant on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook. We'll be right back here next week. Same time, same place. First pitch Friday at Pacoli Park and Saturday against San Diego State set for 6 o'clock Sunday at 1. Have a great, great weekend, you guys. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.